Welcome to another episode of Nipe Story. This fortnightly podcast brings you audio versions of short stories from Kenya and across the African continent. I'm your host, Kevin Mwachiro. On this episode, a debut contribution from Rashida Khan and her story, Your Voice, My Strength. Amina painstakingly applied the SOS makeup to shield the bruise on her left cheek. Fortunately, there was no cut and not much swelling. It still hurt like hell though. Lukman, her husband of 14 years, never left marks on her face that could not be hidden. She had become an expert at applying makeup. It had become so different from when she was younger, when she hardly ever wore any. He was careful with her face, but that still left him her whole body since she was covered head to foot. She always wore an abaya, a traditional flowing garment that covered her entirely. All anyone saw of her was her face. She always looked away from the mirror when she showered or dressed while applying salve or balms. The soft creased lids almost closed over the eyes that were glassy nowadays. There was not an inch of a fragile frame that Lukman had left unmarked over the last nine years. Nine used to be my lucky number. Maybe it will stop before ten. At her very core, though, she felt it would stop only with her death. She wrapped her headscarf carefully, ensuring all loose tendrils were tucked in and no makeup smudged off. Amina's narrow feet in flat palms could not be seen and barely made a sound. The unadorned frayed hem of her buyer was long enough to sweep the ground, so it looked like she floated to the kitchen. She read a Yasin, which she had memorized in Madrasa years earlier, as she unpacked the washing machine, defrosted meat, and mindlessly passed the morning with her daily routine of endless chores. Lukma never showed any interest in Amina's children, because he did not like girls. The only thing Lukman despised more than their female children was Amina's inability to produce a son. His cruelty had turned to abuse after Bilkis, their second daughter, had been born. The beatings had stopped when she had fallen pregnant a third time, but when this pregnancy produced another girl, they started up immediately, intensifying in ferocity and frequency. The litany of complaints against Amina grew. Zainab, her youngest, a gentle soul with an ever-ready smile, had not started speaking. She was almost five now, so even the gurgling and childish grunts had stopped. The child was silent. When you marry an uneducated girl, this is what happens. Lukman's words echoed in Amina's ears. You get idiot children. Zainab was playing with her toys, entertaining herself. Amina chattered to her non-stop. It was a two-way conversation, Amina asking and answering questions for both of them, changing her lilt as she spoke for her daughter. Come, baby, let's go fetch Fatima and Billy. But, Mom, I'm still playing. Okay, Zaini, finish up. We can leave in five minutes. 
Zainab heard but did not respond or show any indication that she understood. Amina reached for her hand. How about a snack? She pointed towards the kitchen counter where she had laid out sliced apples in a plastic plate, cookies in a little bowl and nuts in another. She knew the girl would go for the nuts, but the literature suggested giving the child choices in the hope that this would encourage her to talk. The conclusions of the three assessments concurred. There is no physiological reason for Zainab not to speak. Her hearing is excellent too. Speech and play therapies were recommended, but Lukman had refused. What would people say? Any attempts at persuading him otherwise led to confrontations. Another reason to lash his frustrations on her. Amina looked heavenward, praying for a change of Lukman's heart. I'm not wasting money on white people's nonsense, was his feeble excuse. And then he just laid down the law. No therapy. The previous night, Amina should have left it at that. But she was so vested in trying to convince him that she missed the telltale sign of the hand closing into her fist. Shut up, he shouted and smacked her phone into her mouth. She tasted iron and felt dizzy. He slapped her again and aggressively pushed her onto the bed. He straddled her. You want more? His right arm was raised to strike again. Amina shook her head and kept silent. Just shut up about this shit if you know what's good for you. Another stinging blow ended the conversation. And gratefully, the beating too. Now that Lukman had refused again, she had no choice but to take Zainab to therapy in secret. It would be difficult, but she would make a plan. Over the years, she had tried everything to break into her daughter's cocooned world and draw her out to help her become a butterfly. No, not a butterfly, a bird, a singing nightingale. Reading and other forms of stimulation that she could do herself were exhausted. Every supplication to Allah, katams and doers, manats, blowing furtively recited prayers on water for Zainab to drink. Reading a verse from the Quran as she gently placed her hand on Zainab's throat and Zainab's hand on her knees. Tawis from Maulana's and an endless array of dietary changes recommended by the Hakim. Everything she could think of had all been done. She never became despondent or dejected though. She persevered for he would grant her prayers. Zainab would talk. Of that, Amina was convinced. She was accepting his will and plan and practiced patient, nurturing love with Zainab as she waited for his miracle. At 1.30, she and Zainab left to fetch Amina's older girls from school. The heat in the car was stifling. She pulled off her headscarf and reveled in the feeling of the cool, air-conditioned breeze against her neck. Hey, Zaini, what if your father were to see me now? Oh, mom, he would be so mad. Her voice rose and squeaked when she spoke for the silent child. Zainab's attention was focused on the school entrance. You want to join your sisters, huh, baby? Come to school like a big girl? Yes. Oh, mom, can I? Please? Soon, baby. Next year, you will start grade R. 
Amina played with the child's soft brown locks. You just have to start talking for yourself. But then you will be all alone at home, mom. How can I leave you? Shinookums, you have to start school next year. Don't worry about me. When you are back every day, you can tell me all about it. Zainab's expression changed and she smiled broadly, showing her pearly teeth as she bounced up and down in her booster seat. Sure enough, her sisters were racing to the car. Each hugged Zainab and showered her with kisses. The girls then softly hugged their mother, having learned from a young age not to squeeze too hard, never knowing where a fresh bruise or fractured bone lay behind the layers of dark fabric. At home, the older girls disappeared into their bedrooms while Amina raided lunch. She kept up her running commentary with Zainab. Can't wait for you girls to be big enough to help me. Then I won't have to be in the kitchen all day. You love it, mom. Admit it. You love cooking and baking. Ha ha, you're right, Chinookums. You know me too well. Clever girl. After dropping the older girls at Madrasa, Amina took Zainab for the first session of therapy. Please, Allah. Please, don't let it be too late for Zainab. Lisa Kumalo. The speech therapist was professional and knowledgeable. She in turn was impressed with Amina's research and detailed record of Zainab's history. She spoke kindly. Okay, I'll show you where you can observe us without being seen or heard. Amina hugged Zainab. Mom will be right outside, Shinukams. Lisa and you are going to have a great time. For the next 50 minutes, Amina sat behind a one-way mirror in the adjoining room watching and praying. She prayed for a word, a sound, but there was nothing. Zainab ignored Lisa as though she did not exist. She played with the toys laid out but did not engage with the therapist. When the session ended, Lisa was brief. It's the first session. It's too early to tell. Let's not rush things or jump to any conclusions. Anything? I mean... Is there anything I should be doing for her or with her? I think you're doing everything right. Be patient. Amina paid and glanced at her watch. There was just enough time to fetch the girls from Madrasa, cook and get the girls bathed and started with homework before Lukman came home. As she pulled her car into the yard, however, her heart skipped a beat. His car was in the driveway. She wondered how long he had been home. Usually, she'd have only left 30 minutes before the end of Bat Madrasa, but not today. Daddy's home! Her usual lilting cadence was replaced by a high-pitched screech. The older girls rushed in, but Zainab ran to her mother and clung to her legs, wanting to be picked up. But you're too heavy for me now. Amina hoisted the child and balanced her on her hip anyway. Zainab's fair bare legs looked even whiter against Amina's black abaya. Assalamu alaikum, Amina greeted walking into the house. This was her habit whenever she walked in. Even if the house was empty, she called the greeting for the angels in the house. Why is Lukman home early? Today of all days. Lukman summoned her to their room. Where were you? The words were spat out, the voice guttural. Madrasa, I went early. 
I had to help with Mualima. Liar, you went into town. Amina's mouth dropped open. How does he know? Her stomach tightened. She could hear her heart thudding in her chest. Zainab clung tighter, laying her body flat against Amina's as though she wanted their bodies to merge. Bitch, cheat on me and lie on top of it. Who is he? Lukman shouted and covered the distance between them menacingly. Amina instinctively put her arm up and begged. Wait, please, Lukman. Let me take Zainab down. Lukman ignored Amina's plea and grabbed her arm, throwing her onto the bed. I'll show you. Dare lie to me. He balled his hand into her fist and raised his arm above his head. A cruel snarl darkened his stony features as his nostrils flared. Zainab squirmed out from under her mother and put her body between her parents. Stop, Zainab commanded. The word, her very first word, had the impact of stealing everything in the room. Lukman's hand fell to his sides. The vitriolic threats quietened and he stayed rooted to the spot. Amina sat bolt upright and stared at Zainab. Did she really speak? Did I hear Zainab's voice? The guidance she had been given about her reaction, or rather lack of reaction, when Zainab did speak flew out the window together with her fear. She placed her hands on Zainab's shoulders and turned her around so that their faces were centimeters apart. Zainab? Zainab looked at her father and spoke again. Stop, Dad. Don't hit my mom. The voice that had never been used before rang clear and strong. Lukman stared. Then his face creased into a scowl, making him appear monstrous. You witch! Who the hell are you to tell me what to do? Learn all this from your stupid and educated mother. I'll kill you! He lunged towards the child. Amina stood up tall and pushed him away with all her might. No! Don't you touch her! Nothing and no one would harm her child. Lukman fell against the floor with a heavy thud and his head connected with the dressing table with a loud crack. He screamed and touched the side of his head howling in pain and fear when he saw blood. I'm hurt. His voice was pitiful and teary. You hurt me. Oh, please, stop with the theatrics. It's a small cut. You'll be fine. It's nothing compared to the hurt you've put me through. Amina felt empowered, first by Zainab's words and then by seeing Lukman's reaction to her show of strength. Do not Ever raise your hand or voice to me or my children again. Do you understand? Amina had never heard him whimper before. His incomprehensible mumbling could only be described as whimpers. Never again. Amina's voice dropped a couple of decibels, but she was still strong 
and clear. It was like she had been using this authoritative tone all her life. It felt natural. Hand in hand, the diminutive mother and daughter towered over Lukman. Lukman cowered, staring mutely. He looked shocked and terrified. Answer my mom. Zainab's elocution was perfect. Do you understand? Amina stared at Lukman with hard eyes. He nodded once, then looked away, still sniveling. Amina faced her daughter, light streaming out of her eyes, the way love was pouring out of her heart. Zainab and Amina strode out of the bedroom, united in their power and their protection of each other. For years, Amina was Zainab's voice. On that day, Zainab repaid her tenfold when she spoke, when she spoke for herself and for her mother. My voice, your voice, our voice, one voice. Amina sang the words as they bounded away. We will never be silenced again. Zainab's gully giggles filled the hallway, echoing through the house, affirming her mother's words. Now that she had found her voice, she would never stop using it. Your voice, My Strength, was read to you by Dorothy Orko and written by Rashida Khan. Rashida or Rashi is a South African writer living in Johannesburg. Your voice, My Strength, was selected as the winning entry for the 2017 Irtika Online Magazine, which is a South African Muslim women's short story competition. Rashida's first novel, Mirror Cracked, won the Minara Aziz Hasim Literary Award in 2017. Her latest novel, The Cursed Torch, was launched in September 2020. Rashi's prose and poetry is widely published. You can find out more about her writing and musings on her website, rashireflections.com. Rashi is spelled R-A-A-S-H-I. I'd like to thank Dorothy Oko from the No Head Podcast for sharing her voice with us for this episode. No Head Podcast is about living in the present moment and navigating life together and telling African stories. So, if you're keen on awakening your real identity, your true, authentic, unadulterated, uncontaminated identity, then have a listen to the No Head Podcast. Nipe Story is available to download wherever you get your podcast from. Please write a review and rate the podcast and tell your people about Nipe. You can follow us here on SoundCloud and on Facebook we are Nipe Story and on Twitter our handle is Nipe underscore story. Nipe Story is a finger piano production. <laughs>